1: Uh, Natalia Savie- <laughs> Uh She is a, a postdoctoral fellow with the Wisconsin Russia Project, so we're very pleased to uh, be able to hear from her today. And thanks to the, our, the funders of the Wisconsin Russia Project, which is the Carney Corporation of New York, uh, for the opportunity to host Natalia. Uh, Natalia is a sociologist, and uh, she's a, a candidate of science. Uh, and she's affiliated with the Center for Independent Social Research in St. Petersburg. And uh, she's also had uh, research appointments recently at uh, uh, the uh, Chichumen University. University. And she works on a broad array of topics. So she's near and dear to my heart as a sociologist. So uh, today we're going to hear about the work she's done on mobilization and protest and political activism. But she's also done some really interesting work in the areas of the sociology of work and organizations uh, sociological theory, and uh, the title of her lecture today, as I mentioned, is that first strand of work, it's From Protest Rallies to Local Activism and Back, so that's to and back, uh, Transformation of Political Culture in Russia 2011-2019, so please give her a warm welcome. Thank you,
0: uh, thank you so much, I'm really glad to present uh, this research here today. And the first thing um, I want to say is that it's not just my individual project, this is the project uh, on which uh, I was working with and um, still working with my, with my colleagues, uh, Alex Rabdov and Sivan Gyurgodov, who has, as well as me are members of Public Sociology Laboratory. This is the project which exists in the Paris Center for Independent Social Research. Uh, so I think that uh, the recent news from Russia, which you probably heard about, this is about changing of uh, the government, new appointments of ministers, and changing of constitution, is the <laughs> well introduction for uh, my talk today, uh, because uh, um, we can guess that all those changing was all those changes was uh, introduced as a result uh, as the response to the mass protest. Which uh, took place uh, this August and the after, and uh, I think that we can trace those recent proje- those recent proje- projects from the year 2011, uh, when uh, after uh, Duma's election in December, uh, we faced with the huge waves of rallies, which is really new uh, for Russia, because since uh, ni- since 1991 and 1993, there was no uh, that much protest events, huge protest events. So uh, as a response to protests during the elections, uh, rallies started, and mostly in big cities. The biggest rallies were the place in Moscow, but also in Saint Petersburg, in other cities. Uh, and they continued. Uh, so first people uh, wanted to uh, to change the results uh, of uh, the elections to consider those two, uh, yes, to consider uh, the impact of the elections. But then the rallies continued uh, with some other issues uh, in the support to Navalny campaign in 2011 and to, uh, 2014, in support to um, uh, Duma's uh, uh, independent candidates to the uh, to the Moscow government, and then recently in 2014, in 2018, in support of independent candidates also to the Moscow uh, government. Uh, in the between, there was uh, some uh, local uh, protests, which were really not about uh, not about um, elections, but mostly about defense of. Um, uh, parks, uh, forests. You probably heard about uh, Shias. This is the protest, which is, uh, I think, it's still ongoing in some form, and which is against building of um, uh, of factory, which will burn uh, the garbage in the in the natural natural reserve. So all of that was uh, happening during uh, those uh, eight, year, uh, yes, those nine years, and I think that now we can talk about uh, the end uh, of um, a certain phase the certain phase which uh, I guess so this is <laughs> the final point of this stage which I guess uh, changed uh, political culture in Russia and I try to show how uh, it was happened and what uh, was happening during those eight years so what we have we had at the beginning and what we have now so me and my co- uh, something is ch- yes. Yeah, something Okay. So me and my colleagues we started collecting the data in 2011, uh, and we continued. There were we made interviews with participants of uh, the rallies, mostly in Moscow and Saint Petersburg. Uh, So there was not in-depth interviews, just uh, short, uh, 20 minutes interviews, where we asked them about why they came here, uh, what do they want, uh, what do they do in their lives, did they have any particular political experience in political participation. Then we understood that uh, the new local activist group appeared starting from t- 2012, I think. Uh, and we made a second, uh, several series of in-depth interviews uh, with participants of those groups. So there was a sort of newborn activist who decided to, uh, to go from rallies to some local issues. Then we made also several focus groups. And our students, uh, they collected some data on recent Yikantir- Yikantir- book, and is protest. Uh, and uh, so my main question is how, how this protest movement uh, changed the Russian society. And what I want to do um, is I want to show how it transformed, I want to show, I want to give the answer on the question, showing how um, it transformed uh, the local activism, using this transformation as an indicator of this changing uh, political culture. Um, I w- uh, and the second argument deals with this changing of the logical of the logic of politi- public participation. So a uh, couple of words about like politi- political culture in Russia. I believe you all know about that, but the common idea about that is that, and I agree with that totally, uh, that there is uh, uh, after collapse of Soviet Union. So during Soviet Union, we had this strong division between private life public life public life was official and meaningless private life was very important people live in their private lives and uh, in public life was considered a sort of fake uh, Howard uh, shows in his research and his book dedicated to um, um, uh, dedicated to participation in uh, some uh, Social organizations after collo- in post Soviet countries that people in post Soviet countries they really didn't want to be involved in any sort of political participation because still they wanted to preserve their, their private life. There is also a book of uh, Nielsen uh, who made an anthropological research uh, during uh, the late, a- uh, late 80s and he has a very interesting argument about uh, this division of public and private. He shows that public. Uh, Considered of something which uh, doesn't belong to anything. This in Russian is the thing. Uh, no, nobody, is, um, nobody cares about that. Nobody um, try to defend that. Like for example, people, go, uh, people can steal from their work because they just don't think that this is like this is and can be corrupted in any way. Uh, and uh, there are several um, research uh, on local collective action in post Russia and they uh, show how those, this position between bri- private and public works on the level of um, uh, participation in some collective action. So they basically show that people became mobilized only in case when they faced with this violent intrusion in their public sphere. So when somebody come and cut their salaries, when somebody, when the government uh, take a decision about monetization of the pensions, uh, when the developer come and try to build a house instead of the yard, instead of a small forest, a small park—they have. In that case, they start to be mobilized, and their main argument is that, like, this is this is what belongs to us, and we just want to protect that, to protect. It. And um, so, Boris Gladwell shows this is the same logic when he anala- make an analysis of uh, right to the society movement in Saint Petersburg. So, this is the movement uh, for defense of the city, for the defense of the city. But he shows that this is work basically. Uh, in the same way people defend St. Petersburg and old buildings and what we call historical heritage just because they consider the city as something which is something very personal because they think about the city as something which is really related to their lives and they invest some um, emotional meaning emotional meaning in the buildings in the heritage and basically in the past which relates to all that so, and what we see uh, in December 2011, when a lot of people um, started participating in protest, protest in Moscow, actually this is a sort of, uh, this is very strange things. Because people in Russia never really, like starting from 1996, I think, never really cared about those results of those elections. There was no electoral protest. And uh, many people are just really ignorant about all that. But at that point, I don't know, a lot of people, they decided to go to the street because they think that, because they were not satisfied with the results of the election. And uh, this is strange, but actually this is uh, in the logic of their the mobilization, we can see this continuation of the very same logi- logic of defense of the private sphere. What was happening, and we get that from the interviews, what people said when they asked them why they did come, why did they decide to participate in the bar soon. Basically, they said that it was totally outraged and insu- personally insulted because they invested uh, a lot in this voting, and that happened because there was a previous campaign, which there was a lot of discussion of how p- how we should um, how people should vote, and there was a switch between Medvedev and Putin. So they uh, th- they made some uh, emotional uh, investments in the very act of voting, and that's very interesting. So. Uh, a lot of, uh, I would say, programming uh, experts, they told about um, uh, Orange Revolution, which is going on in Russia and all the stuff. But what we know from the literature about or- Orange Revolution is that usually not stolen votes, but stolen elections is the case, which mobilizes people, right? That when the candidate, when, uh, w- the, canti- uh, when the wrong candidate uh, win the elections, People uh, go and try to defend him. <coughs> so that was not be- the case because uh, uh, United Russia, who got the most part of the votes, it, it would it would got it anyway. So people did not. If, if uh, the results of the election, if finally that we change the result <coughs> of the elections, that would never change like the general composition, right? United Russia would get those votes. So that was much more about stolen votes and. This moral investment finally uh, provokes this moral shock, which put people in the streets. And a lot of people uh, said that, okay, when I came home um, after I observed uh, what was going on in the social networks or while being uh, an observer on the voting um, spot, I was crying and I was totally outraged, and I just had no choice but going, going and to take part, but to go and take part in. This uh, protest movement. Uh, so people came to the square in 2011, uh, and they had another shock. That another shock was about uh, uh, the politics, the idea of politics and political participation was really stigmatized in Russia. People were really uh, reflexive about that. Because like, politics considered as something bad, it's something dirty, and not for normal people who just do their job and live their lives. So the second thing they were shocked about is that uh, there are a lot of ordinary and very normal people who also came to the streets. And they was really happy about that. And uh, in the interviews, they just talking, they were talking about this feeling of unity, feeling like this happiness of seeing the beautiful people, beautiful faces and beautiful people around them. Um, so that was a, a very uh, eventful experience. Uh, and that was very important because that uh, produced this desire to continue. People went to the street, they liked what was going on and they wanted to continue. So they continued to come back to the streets. But at the same time, there was several um, very particular thing about this, Id- this very idea of the unity. Uh, and that was about uh, representation. Very soon, I think in 2013, uh, the uh, the idea of um, uh, of some representative organ of the opposition appeared and this organ that was, uh, I forgot the name. Uh, the yeah, cardin- cardin- yeah. yeah, of opposition. So the idea was that this coordination con- council will represent the whole movement and there was also elections. Uh, for the uh, Coordination Council. Yeah, but what was interesting that the very idea of any collective representation, and actually of representation at all, was that uh, people reject this idea. So we um, made the analysis of the LOSUM using PEPS database collected by Nishika Boric. Uh, and we saw that the most part of the laws was about what is called, uh, we here, identity, which is was, o- that was also the case for uh, occupy Wall Street forest in US. Yes. So there was lozons like, uh, we're here, Putin look at us, here we are, uh, I'm here, uh, also we're also scum, we're not slaves, we're not, um, we can speak, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> uh, and that was like a, a sort of, if you think about that, this is a sort of a negative identity. People doesn't say anything <laughs> particular about who they are, but they speak from their own, from this I, uh, and they try to use all the negative definitions, um, like the negative defin- definitions by not slaves, like that, or just, I don't know how to say it, but the definition, like, here I am. So that was a, sort of a, that was a way to represent themselves. Uh, and I like this slogan, this uh, the slogan which became very popular, and then many times used in other protests. Uh, you even don't represent us, which in Russian it has like it, it plays on this uh, ambiguity of the meaning of the word because this is both uh, representation you don't represent us, but the second meaning is like like you can't imagine us. And I think that this reflects very, very good, this very idea of representation during the first years of a fair election movement. That was like, you don't know that I exist, but here I am on the square, look at me, and do something with that. So that was the idea of representation, uh, of representation. But also, uh, there was a idea, which uh, I call the idea of the unity of difference. So, uh, while people, uh, while participants of protest movement rallies took part in this um, campaign for the National Council of Opposition, uh, the main idea was that they need some something which will unite, which will represent the movement in the whole. But the movement in the whole is just a collection of those very different people, and the idea was that doesn't matter uh, what kind of people. So this national uh, council, it doesn't represent any particular political program or any particular political views. It represents just this unity of very different people, of people from the left, from the right, of people with no political position. And when they discussed the candidates uh, for this council, they very often they said something like, I don't care about the political views of this person. I just care about his ability to make the, very, the rallies uh, protest movement more attractive for all other people. I just want the other people, Russians, just look at him and decide to, to, decide to join the protest. So I don't, if he's a nationalist, that's okay with me. If he's a nice guy who can bring more people to the protest movement, I am good with that. He can be nationalist or leftist or whatever. But basically, so, but, so this the question of um, political views or political program of the candidates was really uh, second. Um, and these uh, like all those characteristics they were then reproduced in the activity of local activism. so uh, first year passed and then the second year passed and actually nothing uh, did happen because people went to the street and uh, uh, but they were really disappointed because uh, like nobody reacts on that in a proper way, Never their demands they were never fulfilled. And in 2000, uh, so the uh, amount of people who took part in the rallies started diminishing. But and also there was a repression in May 2012, which is a little bit similar to uh, what was going on this summer in Russia, but not that harsh. So people were finally afraid a little bit, but they were they were also disappointed because they started believe that those, this protest participation, the fact that they, uh, every weekend or once a month, go uh, out to the street, to the square, that brings nothing to them, no results. So, but they were still, they were still really uh, impressed by this experience of the unity with other people, and they were still, uh, they wanted to continue somehow, to continue doing something. So they decided to uh, come back to their uh, districts and to create some activist groups. They use uh, very much uh, these networks of uh, observers, people who observe uh, elections. So using those networks, which they just uh, meet, met, and uh, tried to do something on the level of their own districts. But what was interesting about those local initiatives, they were very similar to the, uh, those which were described by Karin Klemann and Boris uh because they did pre- the same things. They just protected parks, uh, protected buildings. Uh, they tried to make the districts better. Um, so very much the same thing. But the logic of their creation was the opposite, because in those cases uh, of which I uh, we're talking at the beginning when the people try to defend their personal, some personal, what they considered as personal belongings. Uh, they started from the global, from those big rallies, uh, to the local, and they basically come back to their districts And their line of argumentation uh, was like, "Okay, we're here all together. That's very nice, very nice people. and uh, Now we just need to find something. What we would do?" And many groups, uh, so uh, I tried to find all those groups in Moscow, which were created between 2012 and 2014. And many of those groups, they uh, they existed just for several months, so half a year, just because they were not able to find what to do in their own district. So they didn't find any problem they were able to, they could, can solve, and they had several meetings and they just go home. Um, Uh, So many, uh, some of those groups, they succeeded. They became like long lasting initiatives and they, but they faced with several uh, problems. So the first problem uh, uh, was the conflict between uh, the idea that uh, uh, every person just fulfill its own aspirations and they don't want to have any leaders, they don't want to have any coordination, they they don't want this Soviet collectivism. Uh, and with this necessity of the collection action because you can't do something together without coordination, without some responsibilities. Uh, So I would say that they overcome this crisis using the same, the very same idea which were like, which appeared at the beginning of the protest movement. This is activity uh, as as like a value in itself. So they continue to do something because to do something is good because this is what good citizens do. The second problem was that uh, those local activist groups they really collected very different people, people with very different biographies and with really different political attitudes, and basically that was uh, people which were really politicized, whom we call oppositionists. They were anti-Putin, and the idea was that we should just go and defeat the Putin and the Putin is the worst evil, and this is the most important thing we should do. Uh, the other part of those um, of the members of local activist groups, there, were, there was just people who were sort of volunteers who wanted to do a real deeds. So they wanted <coughs> to do something real for their own districts. And they didn't want to defeat Putin because they didn't really care about Putin, and there was a lot of conflicts between those two type of participants. But uh, what is interesting that uh, this the very uh, logic of the unity of the difference, <laughs> which were, <laughs> uh, which is really apoli- apolitical. Uh, think about that. Uh, it helps here because uh, they decided that the fact that they at some point create those local initiatives, and that the United is much more important that, uh, than any contradictions. And they refused, they didn't completely refuse uh, to talk about politics, but they refused to make political contradictions um, a sort of a main thing which defines uh, the activity of the group and the existence of that group. Uh, Then there were some other problems, of course, because at some point, uh, the people, uh, participants of the local groups, they were really disappointed with the fact that they do a lot of those real deeds in their districts, but nothing is really changing, because problems just come and come and come and come, and they always face with, um, uh, they always face with, I don't know, absence of any support from local governments and they were disappointed about that and this last thing was that just they understood so that that was more about these oppositionists uh, verbally side members that whatever they do they will never be they would never be the part of this big politics so they would never become presidents they would never be the part of the government and actually they would never influence anything in the big politics. but uh but <laughs> some of those groups they continue to exist uh, instead, uh, in spite of all those crises and uh, the result of those crises was the um, reinvention of the very idea of um, of participation in political action the very idea uh, of what is the politics what is what the politics is so what did happen and this is that as I think that that was the result of mostly of the very practice of doing something on the local level together by those people who had very different views. So radicals uh, who were against Putin and did not believe that anything like putting the benches in the parks or something like that can change anything in society, they um, redefined those real needs uh, and they started about those realities as a means of uh, political representation and tools of political capital accumulation. So basically, they uh, started. So the line of their argument was like: so we want to participate in a local uh, campaign for the local uh, government, uh, but we need the support of people, and to get support of the people, we need to do something real, because otherwise we just don't get you know, we don't get any support. So, uh, real deeds, uh, s- they start considering real deeds as something very strategical, is the way to accumulate political capital. Second, uh, they redefine this idea of the bad politics is something, so bad politics is about words, and a good politics is about uh, deeds. So, they had this idea before, but that was not, not like a working idea for them. But uh, that became a working idea, and the last thing is that um, uh, this very practice of uh, doing something uh, in their district make uh, made um, activists very so they just start loving loving the place they live in they just start loving uh, their districts, and they uh, start. So at the beginning that was like I have my own apartment and I, I, I don't, don't really care about all that stuff and I do something in my district, but just because I want to do something and I want to proceed with some um, civic activity because I am a good citizen, a good citizen is somebody who participate who is doing something. But then when they started to do that, they just start love their own district because they start, uh, because they, they got new that. they met some people. They uh, knew something about places, about history, and they became really attached. They got this local identity, which very often in all different, in some other protest movements, became the starting point for the mobilization. Here was like the final point of the mobilization. What did happen with the moderates? With people who were totally against any political uh, activities of the groups and who just wanted to do some real deeds. So uh, they understood that uh, doing those real deeds, they understood that um, they had to be involved in the politics. They had to, uh, they had to be represented in the local governments. They had to be, but not only in the local governments, because local governments, local authorities, they really don't have a lot of power to decide upon everything. They had to be represented in uh, Moscow. Uh, in the, yes, Moscow government, uh, so they have to participate in this politics. And that they can't make a difference, they can't just say that small things uh, are not related to some big politics. So they got this idea of the link between the park, between their own yard and uh, the stuff which is going on uh, on the level of the state in general. And the last thing, which is very important, and which is really decisive uh, in this case, was that both those categories of people, the participants of the local uh, groups, they got the idea of the community, which they really did not have before. So as I said, they started to participate in the local activism just because they wanted to proceed. Proceed with some sort of activity, proceed with some sort of protest activity. And they did not really. So they did not love. Most of them did not love their districts. Most of them were like really. They did not know the people who live there, and they did not care about those people who live in their districts. But uh, while working, they just got this idea of community uh, of the people who live within this district, and they uh, got this very important idea that. uh, So they started to think about their districts as a sort of prototype for the perfect state where the interest of ordinary people became uh, represented so in general uh, how this link between small deeds and big politics was made so they just understood that if you uh, want to do a small deeds you need to be involved in big politics but if you want to be involved in big politics you have to do small deeds because you need support of the people and um, so at that point, they got this uh, idea of not just bad, bad politics, which is all dirty and doesn't worth of participating, but they got the idea of the good politics and bad politics. So the small part of which is called politics were <laughs> just took from that big, po- bad politics. And so this got good politics was uh, about participation. It was about mediation within the state of the people. And that was basically about representation. And rallies also became the sort of the good politics because before, before 2011, and that was very clear from the interviews, people said like, I never puti- accept some people who participated in, I, in the 90s, uh, the most of the people that were newcomers and they were, the very idea of mm, participation in protest rallies was really stigmatized for them. So they said like, I would never even—I would never even imagine that I can go to protests because I thought that this is like for losers to do something like that. Uh, so uh, the idea of p- participation in some public events that was, in a way, like reserved, and it became the part of um, the good politics. So what do they have? Uh, fo- what did they finally have? Uh, in 2011, uh, we can see that society and uh, state they are completely alienated uh, from each other. And this is really uh, uh, this case of the um, console of the opposition, and the analysis of the broader slogans, and uh, the identities of uh, the protesters. This is really uh, shows us that uh, the people who tried to they, they don't try to make, um, they don't try to talk with the state, and the st- state doesn't try, to, didn't try to talk with the people. People just go to the square and say, like, here we are, please look at us, consider us. And that's all. And they react to this uh, invasion, to this intrusion in their public sphere, because they consider elections and the fact that they cast the ballot, uh, they get their votes as something very personal. The second thing that like in 2011 and later, they just don't really want to be represented because they have this idea that uh, there is nothing to, there is, in a way, there is nothing to represent. And this is like really clear. There is a bad state and a bad Putin and good people. And good people is just good people. There is no political divisions or political divisions are not really important and the same thing is Uh, We observed within those local activist movements. They just said, "Okay, that doesn't matter what kind of people are within those groups because we have just this main goal: we want to make our lives better, and we want to unite Russia. So that doesn't matter what kind of views people have." And they imagine uh, a state as a sort of uh, machine. And the idea was that if you make this machine work in a proper way, I mean, if the elections will be fair. Everything will be just good. <laughs> you don't need like all other problems, like mm, ideology or political problem pro- programs or whatever. That just doesn't matter. If you make uh, it work, it will be okay. But now it changed because now uh, what we see now we see those uh, protests which we had in uh, which we had this summer, and that was the protest uh, for. Uh, in support of independent candidates who was not uh, allowed to participate in the recent elections. And the very idea was uh, that the representation is important. That was not just the broadest of the people who came to the squares to say one more time, like, here we are, look at us. There was the broadest of the people who uh, choose their candidates, who, and those candidates, they really, the most of them, they just came from the particular districts. They were the members, usually the leaders of those local activist groups. So those people, they choose their candidates, those candidates did something, they got this uh, support from the people. And that was, uh, so those protests. there was for representation, there was a demand for the political representation. Uh, The second thing, as I said, like the very idea that uh, participation in radicals is something bad, it has changed. And we can see it not only in the case of those big protests for the representation this summer, but also in cases like Shias uh, or in Yekaterinburg or some other local pro- protests which are not really related to the problem of voting. Uh, because people, uh, people go there because that's just fun. I mean, they don't try to avoid that. They can come uh, to the rally, to the protest, uh, just because they want to. Understand what's going on, and they don't uh, think anymore that those people uh, who participate in protest movements, or protest rallies, are just some creepy, uh, some creepy losers. Um, the the other important thing is, as I said, that some uh, like local political identities appeared, and actually the new idea of society appeared, new idea of uh, civic society. It's not just all the good people. Uh, who are against all the bad Putin. But this is the idea of representation of the interests of some difference of uh, activity, of the importance of participation in politics. So it's still very bad, but this is very different from what what happened in 2011. Um, Yeah, so I think that this is all. Thank you.
1: Questions, comments, discussion? Can you clarify what seemed to stimulate that change in 2011 from the past?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean the change that people started to participate in protest rallies? Yes, yeah, so there was several. Uh, I would say several reasons. There were the things which were fixed by Poles uh, and that's still ongoing tendency. There was the demand for the change, as they call it. So people wanted something to be changed. They wanted to have some something accept uh, United Russia in a government. So that was sort of general demand. There was dissatisfaction, but very vague. But the second thing is, as I said, that was this very important stimulus of stolen votes because it did work. Uh, it did work because there was some previous previous discussions of the strategy of voting and there was this shift. So Putin uh, announced that now Medvedev will be a president and <laughs> he will be a prime minister. So there was really... Um, very uh, stressful uh, for many people. And it just support this desire to take part uh, in the um, uh, in elections. And the uh, uh, activity of Navalny was also very important because he initiated the discussions of the um, strategy of voting. And activity of observers uh, who observed uh, the broadest of elections was very important because they created a lot of evidences of violations which uh, helped people to like literally feel how they was, uh, uh, yes. Um, uh, so they made people really felt how they were tricked. So there are some general tendencies which are still ongoing. This demand for the change, demand to have something except United Russia. Uh, was also, as far as I remember, Putin's ratings, they were not low but they slowly went down at that point there was the switch between Putin and Medvedev there was discussions at Navalny, factor of Navalny uh, this was also yeah, uh, discussions which were uh, initiated by Navalny and observers and like in general this created the situation <coughs> where uh, the fact of the stolen walls became very important and very sensitive for the people a little bit more about your research subjects. How do they break down generationally? How do mm-hmm. it, by, by sex, gender, educational level, who, who, who makes up they? Mm-hmm. So we tried, uh, so we interviewed mostly the people who looked like newcomers, so they were not the people who participated in some, who were not the part of uh, leftist or nationalist columns, for example, and we tried to choose people who would be very different by age and by social status, if it was possible to uh, define that. But in general, that was just educated people mm-hmm. with a stable income, uh, without uh, any previous political experience. Some of them never took part in the elections. Uh, the most of them never took part in any rallies. Some of them took part in some volunteering or something like. That so i would say that middle class but middle class is like some low middle class what we call intelligentsia mm-hmm. and some young people uh, some uh, relatively young people who just have good jobs and got enough money but that was also there was like a, not huge but important amount of people who had political ex- experience there was People of mostly liberal views uh, who fought in the rallies in the 90s, uh, who were really like oppositionists, had Putin, had PGP, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was also political activists, some political groups who uh, joined the protest movement. in 2011, you mean? Mm, I think that there was a sort of a unique uh, thing for 2011, because before elections that was not private, that was a sort of a public thing, which was which people uh, really, uh, they didn't care about that. So many people did not participate in elections, and when they vote, that was not that sort of very personal act. There was no those emotional investments in that. But this situation with discussions uh, with Navalny, with the movement of observers, that create this, a lot of aspirations. And they create this situation when people became able to invest. So when they, so the very act of voting has been changed. The people redefined that. So they went to the, um, to the, they went to, um uh to vote with this uh, with the idea that this is like i'm doing something very important and i'm doing it really consciously uh, right now and you should consider that and then they just felt i don't know it maybe sounds silly but there was like the emotion which was behind this mobilization right they did something very important for them and really uh, emotionally with a huge emotional investment but then they were disappointed by the very fact of how those violations uh, were made because that was rude, That was very visible that the, the violations took place. Uh, there was a lot of videos and documented records how it happened. So that emotional investment plus uh, the way uh, violations uh, had happened. So if
1: you think about the nine years of your study in 2018 and and the importance of uh, the economy and yeah. how people feel politically, their willingness to dissent is so wrapped up in the economic well-being and the shifts in the economy. If you can comment, what role might that have played in this political shifting mm-hmm. culture?
0: Yeah, that's that w- this shift was very interesting because at the beginning, like in 2011, we asked people about uh, what what if, if they think uh, is it important to uh, have some social demands about salaries or income or whatever? And the most of them they just said this is not important. I mean, all the economic stuff is not important because we're here not for the bread and butter. We're here for the justice and all the good things like that. But then uh, and they were they were totally refused the very idea that social claims can be the part of the program of the movement because the social claims were considered as something which would divide divide, divide the movement because some people, different people have different circumstances yeah. yeah and they don't want to be divided but then that has changed already, and now it became so I would say that started from since 2015 yeah maybe since 2015 after this conflict uh, with Ukraine started, that became much more important. And it became those political, uh, those economical uh, claims, they became more and more presented during those rallies. They even became the part of Navalny campaign at some point. So that became an important thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that also, yeah, I think that I can't say how it changed the composition of the protest movement. Because what I've seen, the statistics I've, s- I've seen about the last protest, movement, the last protest rallies in August, it was pretty the same which we had uh, in 2011. Like 60% of women, 60% uh, of men. For women, most are educated, a lot of people with degrees, uh, stable jobs, all that. But I think that it makes an impact. But I just don't understand. I can't say what, what, what so what exactly, how it changed but. Yeah, this is an important thing. <coughs> what
1: about the capability of the new protest groups to overcome a collective action problem? Uh, in two thousand and eleven, opposition groups were widely fragmented. There were nationalists, communists, uh, yeah. liberals, and so on. And uh, is the situation uh, different now, or it's the same? Because there are some evidence uh, that uh, opposition groups, even liberal groups can uh, confront with each other and um, it's hinder the uh, com- capacity to enter the big politics, for mm-hmm. example, in the Chicago the where Navalny supported uh, in, uh, not the most popular liberal candidate, but another candidate.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because we didn't track uh, those politicized groups, we just didn't, yeah, I just don't know what was going on with them. but. I had the impressions that they stayed divided. Yeah, still. I know you mentioned that most of your research was um, in Moscow, right? In Moscow in and Saint Petersburg, yeah. Saint Petersburg. Uh, was there anything at all somewhere else? I'm just curious. I mean, there were some. Yeah. Uh, Because we just didn't have money for that, so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was what we These could do. Uh, but projection. yes, I know that our colleagues from Perm. I did some uh, research on. Mm. Yeah, I think that Perm might be too main. So yeah, there was. There was some protest rallies, and there was also continued with some local uh, issues. There was some local collectives that were created also, but there was not that. Uh, there was not that um, visible as in Moscow and that was not that like huge. So yeah, but I would say that the protest movement that was mostly the thing of the big cities. Like Moscow has the biggest impact. But it influenced the this the way people think about politics uh, in general, I would say. Not for everybody but as I said, like what we see in case of Edinburgh or in case of Shears, that's not that local movements which were before two thousand eleven.
1: Well, go ahead, Joy, and then I'll put myself in the queue. <laughs> um, yeah, I.
0: I <coughs> Yes, basing on our data on Shias and those recent events, but what, uh, so those uh, conclusions, this is mostly about big protest in Moscow. But what we can see from the interviews from She's and the Yuclidean book, that people participate, now participate differently uh, in collective action. So they're ready to become more radical they are ready to became, uh, but they also claim, so this uh, idea of the dialogue with the state, uh, it appeared in those recent protests. That never, uh, there was I, I would say that was that was not the case before because we also made interviews with the participants of local initiatives in 2012 and 2013. And that was uh, all about the don't please don't intervene in our life. We don't care about anything. We don't care about representation. We don't care about Putin or not Putin. Just don't do that. Don't cut the trees. Don't demolish the buildings. So now people who p- took part in those new products, in the book about the building of the church in the park, or in Shias about uh, the building of factory, they are all much more they're all much more um, interested in this representation. So that's like they, I would say that those local protests they became more democratic in a way that they want to, that the people who participate in them they want to be represented and they want to be heard. They not just want to stop the state which intervenes their public lives. But I can say so. I can say it about the. Uh, political culture in Russia in general, where we have 140 millions of people, mm-hmm. yeah. But I think that this is important tendency because at least it, uh, at least it, what we can see in the big cities, and I think that this tendency uh, have a real impact in the state politics because I think that uh, like those last changes, this is also the, the response to this broadest wave which has lasted now for eight years. So people still people still uh, participate in protest activities and some public actions. So I wouldn't say that all the people changed, <laughs> but the, some modes of um, political action and political participation that had changed.
1: So uh, your account is really focused on you know, one type of protest. Politicized protest yeah. by politically people with political protest goals but there's been a lot of other types of protests in Russia I mean going back to you know, 2005 when they tried to monetize people's mm-hmm. benefits yeah. and then lots of like not the usual suspects like elderly people, pension, they just went out in the streets and they were mad
0: yeah.
1: uh, and they, they got the government changed policy so then in 2016 with the, change, the pension reform that also provoked like a new surge and meanwhile, there's been all these very particularistic types of economic protests—truckers, like um, yeah. you know, various localized, you know, wage arrears here and there. Anything, and going back to the 2000s, like the, you know, the tax on uh, automobiles that had the steering wheel on the, mm-hmm. the, what, what is it, the right side? You know, that occasioned huge protests in the Far East. So there's been all this protest activity, and the people, you know, people who actually counted these things, die, like Tamila Lankin and her group. Um, at uh, what is it uh, London school or University College of London so they should show that in the, you know ever since 2016 particularly like the, pro- the number of protests has grown every year. so you know clearly you can't like or it's, it's potentially risky to generalize about mm-hmm. everything but there is something to the fact that the, there's been a lot of protest activity a lot of it has't been done it does seem to be increasing so that would be consistent with your notion that somehow or other uh, the protests, that is becoming a more acceptable form or a more, uh, routinized form of political expression, in Russian society. But my question is, you know, so these political, you know, the, the, I mean, you know, these middle class leaders who are thinking in terms of uh, social movement theory and so forth, how do they think of these other types of protests? Like did, so you said that they they don't want to bring on economic issues because mm-hmm. they think that's going to divide. But but. Surely they must have some sense that well, isn't it good that you know people are coming into the streets, they're taking action, they're risking harm to themselves, uh, to go and actually take a stand, even if it's for a cause that not everybody would agree with. How do they fear like, how you know, is there kind of strategic thinking about, you know, can we somehow latch on to this or or is that just that they just view that as that's those people doing that and we're doing our protests mm-hmm. for the benches in the park and so forth?
0: hmm mm-hmm. No, actually, uh, I think that those, protest, uh, those protests about some economic things, uh, they became really interrelated with those huge political protests. Because a lot of people from those political protests, they became <laughs> participants of those other protests. For example, uh, so, uh, Yeah, a lot of people uh, from this political protests. They um, sent money to them, and they traveled to them. Uh, they try to support them, sign the petitions. So this protest movement it give, gave the birth to many forms of political activities which were not related to the political issue of the stolen walls, but were related to some like poli- political, economical issues in general. So they all work together. That's not just we do only this and we don't care about all that. But it's just we don't want our leaders to speak uh, that we need, um, I don't know, to introduce the changes, and this this was the case, this Council of Opposition, there was the case of 2013, so that was changed Uh, social issues and social demands, they were not introduced like officially in the program of the movement but they became much more visible after Mm 2014 and they, but yeah, so there was they were really strict about that before, but then it changed but still it's not like There is still, I wouldn't say that there is some, that those people who participate in those rallies, they now have some different political problem because there is still no political problem. But as I said, they've supported a lot of different political activities, also related to some economic issues. Mm
1: -hmm. And then, quick follow up. So, how about the regime, how about the authorities? Have they, I mean, so, you know, like, You know, social movement theory. There's this notion of this tactical changes, the social movement changes, the authorities respond. Is is there a sense that you know the Russian authorities, our local authorities, responding differently to these local protests, or is the federal government directing how the local authorities respond? I mean, is there a similar dynamic there? If there's a shift in political culture on the society side, is there a similar kind of a tactical shift on the state side?
0: I would say that in 2011 there was no there was no like some particular idea of how those local authorities should respond, and that's why we can see that in, 2000, yeah, in 2012 there was uh, elections to some local governments, and some activists they just passed, they became part of the local governments because nobody was prepared for that. But the most of those activist groups, and especially during the time of the elections. They had very, um, so they were really opposed to those local governments, and so local governments were really opposed to them. So it was real like, conflicts and yeah, all the stuff. I don't know, uh, yeah. So mostly that was very complicated relations. And the general idea was that those local independent uh, activists, they should not get any influence on that. So there was, I would say, there was a <coughs> sort of strategy prevent the uh, prevent the include